now. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're continuing through in our series uh, titled Vessels. Kind of mentioned last week, we're going to get into a really cool section here where Paul, um, he's validating his apostleship, but he's really going to get into some awesome theology, um, kind of give like his whole background in, in, in apostleship and why it's important. And today we're going to look a little bit at the new covenant and um, the beauty of the new covenant. This is like a, you might think, like, what's the new covenant? I mean, I, that sounds like Bible talk and it is, uh, but it is a amazing truth uh, of where we're at with what Jesus did on the cross, rising from the dead afterwards and, and then giving us new life. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Um, Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning. We pray that you would um, speak to us through your word, by your spirit, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what you're trying to show us, how you're instructing and, and working in our lives. And we pray that we would just grow. God, we, we want to grow. We want to see you uh, take each, each of us past where we've been and into a new season of blessing. So, God, we pray that you would uh, fill us with your spirit to understand, to see, and to uh, apply. God, convict us where we need to be convicted. Uh, encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Whatever it is you want to do, we pray you do it here this morning. And that it would be all for your glory and by your power. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. So it starts with this. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation uh, to you or letters of commendation from you? Paul's going back again, dealing with the disrespectful Corinthians who were giving him a hard time because about they, they were basically calling into question his apostleship. And, and so he's like, why are you treating me like I need this letter or this epistle of commendation? And what that would be basically is a, a letter written out saying, this guy is legit. He actually came from our ministry, signed, sealed, here you go. Like this, this is the, because what they would of course have is uh, imposters who would walk around and say, oh, I'm, uh, I'm from hanging out with Paul. He said, I should stay with you guys for like six months and eat all your food for like, uh, for the gospel's sake. And so people go, Oh, okay, sure. Come on in. And they're like, I don't know if this guy really wasn't Paul's like, I didn't send him. So this was like a letter of commendation. Think of like, it's like a Yelp review. Okay. Of, of who you are or whatever, a Google review or whatever it would be. And, uh, where you check it out and you go, okay, this guy seems to be pretty legit. He's got people who have said it looks good. Or you look on the back of a book and this book changed my life. Literally the best thing I've ever read, you know, signed by whoever, some other author. Right. And, um, they're all doing it to each other's books, you know, like, uh, yeah, this was a good book. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway. Um, but uh, yet the, it's basically just letting you know, this guy's legit. He is who he said he was. And, and so Paul's like, why do I need that with you guys? Why do you, are you treating me like I need somebody to validate who I am? Remember, Paul had spent over a year and a half with this church 
establishing it. He was the founding, like, pastor of the church. He established them. He, he was, so he's like, why do you, are you like checking my credentials all of a sudden? And again, we know why they're doing this. It's because it's a lot easier to deal or to discredit someone than to deal with what they're saying to you when it's hard, right? Oh, well, you don't need to listen to what they, they're saying because they're like this. And, and the fact of the matter is we could not listen to anything any of us say because we could all be discredited. Oh, don't listen to them. I know they've sinned before. Like, okay, that's great. But what about the fact that that was truth and that God uses us as vessels to minister anyway? And so they're trying to avoid the fact that Paul has had to say some things to him that were hard to hear by just saying, eh, let's just discredit him. Yeah, he's probably not even really an apostle. You're like, Paul is like the, the, the apostle. Is there anybody you think of when you hear apostle more than Paul? No. Anyway, so Paul's like, why do I have to prove this to you again? Why do you need to act like you have to check out my authenticity? You know who I am. And he says, you want to know where, where our letter is? Right here. You are our epistle. Written on our hearts, known and read by all men. You are the evidence. And we've seen this before. He said this before. You're the evidence that we're apostles because you exist. Because what God's doing in your midst. Verse 3, clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Paul says, like, basically, let me clarify, okay? We're not the ones that are making it all happen, but you're an epistle of Christ. Like, your story is, is a letter of who Jesus is. Like, that's, that is who, you're a, a letter of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink. So, kind of picturing it like this, it's Jesus' story, we're the pen, that's writing it. He's using us in his hand to write it, not with ink, but by the spirit. The ink or the thing that's being written with is the spirit of God. And it's written on your heart. You're the paper. Right? So you have Jesus is telling the story. We're the instrument that's... The funny thing is, it doesn't really matter about the instrument, right? Like, I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, the there would be those pilot pens. Do you remember the pilot pens? The ultra fine, like 0.5 or whatever, you know. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? They're really, really fine, and, and you could just do the, the, the absolute most beautiful lines unless you can't. And, and I remember the kids who were always really good at drawing would have these, and they'd, they'd be making these really cool stuff instead, you know, instead of class, you know, whatever. Mom, I need this for school. And anyway, they were for drawing, basically. And the, they were... Beautiful, and they, and they could make the best lines, but that's only if you're good at drawing, right? So they're subject to the hand that they're in, right? The, the same, you could get the most expensive pen in the world, paintbrush in the world, and you put it in the hand of a toddler, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. It's still going on the wall. Just... Because it's not really about that so much as it is about 
whose hand it's in. You could also take an amazing, incredible artist and you could give them a Crayola marker and they could do something with it, couldn't they? The, the fact of the matter is, it's, it's we are in the hand of, it's like Jesus is ministering, using us as an instrument. So Paul says, check it out. I'm not taking any glory. I'm just an instrument. I'm just being used by him. The funny thing is, like, in that setting is we can be used one way or the other, right? But there is something to becoming more and more refined that it could be even more beautifully used. As you allow God to refine your life and to change you and make you more like him, it can be used even more efficiently because even though the greatest artist could do something with a Crayola marker, he could do a lot more with a really nice pen. So we have God who works these things out in us. It's it's his story. He's the one that's writing it. And isn't it cool to think about that our lives are his story? Like we're the epistles of him. That is like we in and of ourselves are a witness, those who know Jesus, to the world of Christ. You want to know what my love looks like? It's you. That's why, the, where do you want to start when you're talking with people? Uh, I got to make sure I have all the apologetics nailed and, and understand how to refute every single point. Just start with what happened with you. What, what, what happened? I was lost and now I'm found. That's a good story. It actually sounds like many movies, right? Like this is where we start. Where did you come from? How did you get to where you are right now? How did the God who created everything somehow reach down and touch your life? This is a letter of Jesus. This is something where people could see Jesus. And if you're looking back at your life, there probably were people involved in the equation, the pen, right? And as they're being used... To write, what's coming out is the Spirit is ministering and doing something really cool. And who's it written on? It's written on you. Everyone gets to see it. And whether you are or aren't, it's written on you, whether you know it or not. Sometimes you might be the last person to know that people can see right through you. Right? It's written on your heart. Verse 4, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Not to think that we're, we're anything from our, of ourselves. Like, let me be very clear. I'm not being arrogant about this. I'm just the instrument. Like, it, we are not sufficient. It is not about us. Like, trust me. We have, we have trust in him who can do this. I saw this quote in a commentary by Spurgeon said, Our sufficiency is of God. Let us practically enjoy this truth. We are poor, leaking vessels. And the only way for us to keep full is to put our pitcher under the perpetual flow of boundless grace. Then, despite its leakage, the cup will always be full to the brim. So you want to know how to be full? Is to be constantly poured into you leak that's just all there is to it right you're like you're telling me you know this is life it's that's why it's not good enough to just go to a conference or even to say come to church on a sunday although i'd say that's a good start right 
But if you're not being filled up, you're, you're going to be so depleted by the time we see you again. And, and the point, so you say, well, then we just need like five messages a week where we can do that. No, you need time with him. <laughs> because by the way, this isn't even how, the kind of like a, a whole point of church is to encourage you to do this at home, right? You know, get it? Like, it's to like, be like, Jesus loves you. He, he wants this relationship with you. Like, we want God to speak and to do all these things. But the, the honest desire and hope of any pastor, or ones that I think are aligned with the spirit of God is to see the people of the church do this at home to see this happen daily. And then to watch everyone around you go, what is that? What is changed in you? There's some crazy story going on. What is it about you? Right. And you're like, I I didn't even notice. (laughs) I'm just like trying to walk in, you know, anyway. And if, if, if you've ever had that happen, it's like the coolest thing ever. Like, to, and I, I remembered it happening to me for the first time when I was working in Fed. I've sh- shared the story for some. Some of you know, but working at FedEx in Rialto, and uh, I, I, my life was being changed by God. I was reading His Word, and I wanted to be used to tell people about it. And I remembered a guy coming in, and and I was praying that day, like, how can I? tell this guy how could what do i do because he'd become my friend i i'd go to his house and we watch like like box boxing matches like we became friends like and um and he hit me up one day and i was just like i gotta i gotta talk to this dude ramon i gotta like say what's up and try and tell him about jesus and i don't know how to do that and i because i feel like i might blow the whole friendship up you know like <laughs> it's all hey man how you doing hey have you ever considered jesus man you know like whew. Let's just load this truck, okay? You know, like I wasn't ready for that, you know? And so I was just, I came to work and I was just praying like, Lord, open a door, open a door, open a door. And I remember him coming in the trailer and we were working on something together, loading boxes. And he said, so what is it, what is it about you? Like, what, what do you do? Like, do you go to church or something? Like, wh- why are you like this? And which was a far cry from who I was like a year before. Which was, I actually asked the same questions. Why are you like this? But in a different way. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I just remembered being like blown away by the open door opportunity. But really the fact that God was doing a change in me. I didn't really even see it. But there was something happening. And it opened up conversation with him. And he ended up calling me years later. Multiple times. Asked like in times of tr- trouble and struggle. And, and um, I can't say he ever said he wanted to like really fully follow the Lord. I don't know, but I do know that there's something when, when you are seeking the Lord and spending time with him, that things change in you and people can see it. And that's a big thing, right? Cause, cause God's doing something in you and he wants to complete it. And he wants you to be a witness, a city on a hill, a light for all to see. For the world to see, look, this is what I can do. Anyway, it's not, it's not of us, but it's, it's of him. We're leaky. We need him. We need to go back to him over and over again. Verse 6, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Oh, I'm so pumped about this section, by the way. I love the new covenant. Whoa, I got a little echo. That's like how gnarly I loved it, I guess. 
the new covenant and the old covenant. He, he, he starts off by saying, uh, we're ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter would be the law, wouldn't it? Right? When, when Moses was given the law to God's people and, and you go, well, if God gave him the law, why is it so bad that it kills? The idea of it killing is that it shows you you are dead. It, it, it crucifies you in a sense, right? It puts you up on against everything. And you realize, I am so undone. I am so broken. I'm so lost. I'm so just depleted by sin. And so it, it, it brings you down to rock bottom. And you have to find rock bottom at some point. Some of us have a, have a lower bottom than others, don't we? Like a lower rock than others. And you're like, I thought that was rock bottom. Nope, we got a couple more floors to go down. You're like, whoa, you know. Some people, it's not that deep. You pray for your kids that their rock bottom's not that deep, right? But we all have to come to that place where we recognize we are undone. We're not good. <laughs> like we're not like someone where God's like, well, they're pretty good. I don't think they need Jesus. Like, that's, they're pretty good. They say nice stuff to people. They don't cuss. They only say Christian cuss words, right? Which is like the, which is that means the same thing, but doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, hey, don't worry, I use them too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but you get this idea of like, you know, where you're, okay, are we here? No, it's like you recognize whoa, I am undone. I am like, I am lost. I am broken. That is what the old covenant was about. That's what the letter was about. It kills, but the spirit gives life. It left us with uh, a life, like a question of like, well, what do we do with all this? And the spirit says, I have something new. The new covenant says, here's the answer. It's Jesus. Yeah, 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 you're lost. You're lost. That's good. You understand that. That's the first part. What's next? Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of uh, the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So, Picture this. Could you imagine being there when Moses got the, the Ten Commandments and this just unbelievable spectacle and he comes down and his face is glowing and it's like, what is this? It would, it would be so epic. You know, you, you hope that there's DVR in heaven, right? So we can like see all of these things happen. You'd be like, that's what Moses looked like? I was not expecting that, you know, like anyway. Yeah, I was thinking it would look a little different. Oh, the tablets. Okay, all right. Cool. Yeah, that's how it was. How did he write it, man? Like anyway, but like it was quite a spectacle and it was glorious and and again, Moses like had to veil his face up and he's coming down glowing from the mountain. What is going on? They couldn't look steadfastly at his face because of the glory of his countenance. This was huge. It was monumental. It was God touching man. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? How much greater is it what we're living in right now? Moses goes up to Sinai, meets with God. God speaks to him. God gives him the law. We wake up 
and can talk to God. He's with us. He's there. He, the veil has been taken away. There is no separation. We can come boldly before the throne. We can, we can come right to Him with everything. Because the separation has been done away with because of what was done on the cross. For if the ministry of uh, condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. So when you read through that, was especially as we, if you were doing the whole through the Bible thing, when you're reading through Exodus and all the, this gnarly stuff, just you're like, this is so crazy. How much more glorious is it what we're experiencing right now? It's just so much more glorious uh, what has taken place. And this is why we do communion, the Lord's Supper, to remember what an amazing gift this is. Because there's something about even an amazing gift starting to lose its luster sometimes if you forget how good it is in a sense, right? You kind of get used to it. Like, I'll give you an example. I have caught myself on occasion talking about how hot it is in Carlsbad. Well, yesterday, as my my friend's grandpa's funeral, we went out to the IE. It was 101. And I am embarrassed that I called it hot here because I forgot what hot was. We went into Bass Pro Shop and we came out at 7 o'clock at night and it's like, it's still very hot, you know? It was still like 90 degrees, I think, at night. And I'm like, I have forgotten how blessed I am where I live, and I should not call this hot anymore, you know? Like, I, I forgot, I've become a little bit of a brat complaining about the literally the best weather in the country is here. Anyway, it's not that big of a deal, but it's just kind of like a, you get used to it kind of, and you're like, Oh, the beach. I don't know. It's a minute away. I don't know. It's kind of far, you know, or it's like, like I said, back in the day when we were kids, it was like, uh, uh, we would pack the car the night before so that we would be there all day and make sure we can get the full rash from the boogie boards that were 25 years old, you know, but this, this is like, you, you start to forget where you're at and you start to look at, anyway, it's important to remember how glorious it is. What was accomplished on the cross the the new covenant like there was glory in the condemnation that was glorious by the way the whole like the law it's not like what a mistake no it was it was beautiful it was glorious because it was the truth which is what we're looking for it's it's what mankind is looking for right dr dave gave me a an uh an article sent me an article right about what people looking for Eternal life. Like, what, do you, what is eternal life? They're spending tech, you know, or they're spending all this money to try and figure it all out. Like, this, this is age-old question. Like, who am I? How long does it last? Like, what happens next? Like, this is humanity 101. And, and the further we get, we, we think we can do away with these kind of questions, but they actually get amplified because we find out, like, Okay, wait a minute. I have everything I could ever have wanted here on earth, and yet I am empty. So now what? It's the, the fact of the matter is, is that what the law did was showed you, well, it was never about this, was it? 
And it was never about what you could do or what you could accomplish. You were lacking. You were born into sin. And you need to recognize your need for a Savior. And when you recognize that, the glory will overshadow and surpass anything you've ever experienced. Because you'll see it for what it is. Because this is a good God who loved you so much. He died for those who were killing him. Verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope. We use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For unto this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. This is a, a hard this is a hard thing to understand. Is that there are people who are blinded. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and it's and it has been, um, I don't know if it's it's really hit me to recognize that people are blinded, because because there's something in us sometimes, and definitely in me, I guess I can speak for myself here, where I'm just like, well, just stop being dumb about it, like stop being so. Why don't you keep doing the same? Just don't do that. But there's something about that there, there's a blindedness that can't see it. And, and I, I've seen it recently over and over again where you're seeing people that you, you think you could just reason with them. Like, like, don't you feel like when you read the New Testament, you're like, help me find a Jewish person. I found their Messiah. This should be really, really easy. Look at all the prophecies lined up. Look at all the, it's like, it's the culmination of everything. Guys, this is what you've been looking for. Can't you see it? It's right in front of you. And they're like, thanks. I don't want to I, this is not, this does nothing for me. How can this be? Or you have friends that maybe aren't even Jewish, but like that are blinded, that there's like a veil over their eyes. And you're like, can't you see where you're at? And the answer is no, they cannot and really, we don't have to go look much further than ourselves. We've all been there, right? One way or another. You've been blinded. You've been deceived. I've kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That those who are being deceived, one of the worst things is that they don't recognize they're being deceived. It's one thing to know you're being deceived and go, I'm just being deceived, man. I just need to get back to where I need to go. I'm being lied to, whatever. And the less you're around people who can discern these things, the worse it gets. So when you have a whole culture or a whole group of friends or a group of people or, you know, whatever it is, they're all deceived together. They're in their own bubble of logic that there's no one there to, to even speak into truth. And they can't even tell that you're being deceived. This is why we need to be careful. This is why we need to be like, Man, where are we? Where am I? Like, I can so easily be deceived. And it takes, you're kind of like your uh, whole self-made man, self-made woman, tough, gritty thing, and throws it on its face. Oh, I can handle that. Oh, I can handle that. Well, can you handle being deceived when you don't know you're being deceived? By definition, no. (laughs) Because you don't know you're being deceived. You don't know what's happening in front of you. Like you don't know how much danger you're in right now. You've been sucked in and now you're in trouble. 
uh, one of the things that we were at the funeral and, and, um, I actually used to work for, for this guy. It was my friend's grandpa and used to work for him and he was a good guy. He was, he was really always talking about the Lord. He just was always talking about the Lord. He gave me a job when I didn't have a job and, and kind of get, you know, let me, I was, this is where I was digging ditches out in the desert. And, um, and, uh, I was thinking of one of the legacies he left behind. Every, every person that talked about him what, uh, yesterday talked about how much he loved the Lord. <laughs> That's like all that they all talked about. Because, you know, you go to funerals and you go to memorials and you hear all kinds of stuff. Sometimes you hear crazy stuff and you're like, okay, did you know, you know, we're in a church or did you? Anyway, which I understand, you know, not everybody's there, right? But, uh, it, and it was all about his love for the Lord, that he loved the Lord. Like, he was all about it. And, and he would load up and he would put all this, these, buy all these clothes or, or collect all these clothes and, and go minister to, like, migrant workers in the central California. You know, he would just go, uh, farm country. He would do whatever it was. He was all about it because he was a Spanish speaker and he had this, this ministry he would do and would give you the shirt off his back. He was like that. Actually, when we played high school football, we, I would block for his grandson and all the linemen, he would take us out to eat after a big game. If his son, if his grandson got a bunch of yards, he would be like, Oh, we're going to Coco's boys. And we take the back room and no one paid. He paid for everybody. And we ate like pigs because, you know, it was after a football game and he would just be like, Oh line, let's go. We're all going to eat. And, you know, the linemen are all, I was by far the smallest lineman. They were all like 280, not, you know, the, we were the two guards that pulled. So we ran a lot. There was two of us that were small. But it was small. Um, but it was, he was that guy. He was generous and all these things. And, and, uh, and I was thinking, what a cool legacy. But one of the other things that was said was that he always, we was always watching like, Christian TV, listening to Christian music. And they're like, why do you always do that? He said that they, he was, he was into like some of that TBN even kind of stuff, you know, but he had the, he had the plasma TV and they said that the number to call was burned into the screen because it was always on the same exact channel. And they said, why do you always watch the same stuff? And, and basically he said, because I know what the other stuff can do to me and I don't want to mess around with it. And I was like, I, I, you know, there's no legalistic, weird trip about that. But I was thinking, man, there's a lot there that's a, a full of wisdom. To, to say, I don't think I want to mess around with something that might take me out. So, better to leave it alone. And I was thinking, the legacy that he had left behind was really a cool legacy, right? In, in, in the sense of... His grandchildren, they're all talking about the Lord. That's amazing, right? His friends and anyway. But it, it was all part of that whole thing where he recognized, I can be deceived. I can fall. I can be sucked in. So let's not even make provision. None of it. And that's something we all have to deal with on our own. And, and if we were to like, okay, let's you know, pull out a, a whiteboard and we'll figure out. So what do you guys think? Is that a gray area? Is this a, you know, you can't do that. It's between you and the Lord. You have to know that between you and the Lord, but say, hey, if there's something here that's, that's maybe a little dangerous, and if I can be deceived without knowing I'm being deceived, that's something to take 
notice of, right? Anyway, kind of side note, but I, I was thinking about it. I was like, that is so good to understand. But, but blinded, being blinded, is, that is a terrible thing to think about, is being blinded and, and not being able to, to see what's going on around you. The veil is taken away in Christ, though. Those who see Jesus, once they see it's all taken away and, and the veil's been lifted, and maybe you've experienced this. All of a sudden, you understand you need Jesus, and as soon as you get to that place, everything becomes clear. You can see the beginning from the end. You can see all, what all of those things you were struggling with were attacks and, and spiritual warfare, and you can see it for what it is because you're looking at, again, true north, absolute truth. You're looking him in the eye, the creator, what you were always meant to do, and all of these counterfeits pale in comparison to the real thing. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil of lies, uh, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So if you, are, uh, this is the good news is that you can be bound up. You can be blinded. You can be completely trapped. But when you recognize it for what it is and you say, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I, I, I'm lost. I, and you recognize your need for Jesus. It can all change fast. If we were to look at the letters written in this room, we could see a lot of that, wouldn't we? We were kind of reminiscing after the men's group. There was a group of us talking about like what lives changed has looked like. It was pretty gnarly, right? After the taco night. I remember when you didn't look like you look right now. I remember when you didn't act like you act, you know, whatever. I remember when those eyes looked different. I remember having to play basketball with you. We had to, and it was about to go there, right? No, I'm just kidding. Not really. But to see what God can do when you recognize where you're at simply and, and come to the end of yourself. So do, do you know what I feel like is the thing here? is we can't talk people into things, obviously. They're deceived, and, and our logic can only go so far. And I think conversation is great. But who's the one that can change their heart? It is him. It is God who can change their heart. So I was listening to a message, and, and one of the things they said is, you can talk to people, and that's good, but you should be talking to God about those people more than you talk to the people. Like, thinking you can do it all on your own. Like, come on, we can work this out. Come on, I can help you to see it because it's a supernatural thing. It's a spiritual thing. So there's people in your life, you looking at them, you know they're blinded. Pray that much harder. It's easy to be bitter and get bummed out when you see people in this position. It's, it is hard. And, you, and they hurt you. That's the other thing. People can hurt you because of the decisions they make. We don't live in a vacuum where our, our actions don't affect others, right? It's pain. It can be really painful, but to understand that they literally can't see and they're blinded and to take all of that angst and anxiety and throw it at before the feet of, of God, like Lord, help them. <laughs> Lord, break through God, help this to be that rock bottom, do whatever it takes for them to get it. I bet you every person in here has someone like that. I'm not going to do a show of hands. 
But I bet you every person in here has someone like that in their life. Go to the Lord, ask him, let him do it. Because where the, the, uh, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Meaning we can do whatever we want, right? No, it means you're free from all this junk. You get to walk in freedom. You get to walk in literally, what does it say? Spirit brings life. You get to walk in life. So if you're not walking in the spirit, you're literally not walking in life. That's good news because this ain't it. If you're living, walking in the spirit and you're living in this, then you know that that's life. And you know that the only thing you want is more of that. And maybe you've tasted of that and you've walked away from that and you've forgotten how good it was. Come back to that. It's just, this is us. This is humanity. The children of Israel. Good king. Awesome. Way to go. Uh, next, next king comes up. Yeah, it's kind of, the culture's kind of changing. Downhill. Then how about let's do like 10 of those in a row. Bad kings. And then a new one comes in and finally says, like, let's tear down the idols. Let's go back to the Lord. And all of a sudden they're healed and provision and grace and blessing and oh my goodness. And then the next one, eh, whatever. This is humanity. This is Hosea, the story of a, of a faithful husband and a prostitute wife, basically. That's the story of God and Israel. That's the story of God and us. But to, to recognize it's so much better to be with you, Lord. To know you and to live in that liberty and that truth. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory just as by the same spirit of, uh, of the Lord. We are looking more and more like him as we, as we continue to grow in him. So the story becomes clearer, more defined, and even more beautiful. It becomes more and more evident of what God's done in your life. We're being transformed in Him. Wherever you're at in that process of transformation, maybe it's the very beginning. Maybe you've been doing this for a long time. Maybe you did it and you kind of just like let the world come in and choke you out like the weeds, right, with the seed. The weeds come in and choke you out or, or you never got rid of the rocks that wouldn't allow the roots to grow like they should grow. Well, there's something that can be done at any stage there because God's not done with us. You're here right now. I'm here right now. Yesterday we could do nothing with. Tomorrow is always going to be tomorrow. It's today. What do we do with that? To allow the Lord to transform us, to change us, to grow us, and to help us see the glory of the new covenant. To live in his glory, filled with his spirit, which is both life and freedom. That sounds like a good thing. That's literally something the world can't take away from you. That's beautiful. The, uh, The world can take away your physical freedom, but they can never take away your freedom in Christ. And they can never take away him being on your side because it's not for sale. (laughs) And it can't be taken by force. So rest in him. We rest in him. We find glory in him. We enjoy him. And we're filled every day. More of you, Lord. More of you transforming us to look more like you. So when people see us and they see you and our story is like so beautiful to a world, it's like a a cup of fresh water to a world that is parched. Let's pray.
Lord, that's our desire. That's our heart. I guess if it's not our desire, please make it our desire. We know it's real, this whole spiritual 